0: Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 142, episode 2 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say, officially off the top, fuck the Koch brothers, fuck Uh, Fox News, fuck. Blake Neff, I guess, is the name of the head writer for Tucker Carlson, who was oh, busted yeah. uh,
1: writing racist stuff. Had, on the, a... had the gig of his dreams. Ooh. And let it get right through his racist little fingertips.
0: Yeah. Uh, fuck Zuckerberg. Fuck Jeff Bezos. And fuck J.K. Rowling. It's Tuesday, July 14th, 2020. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. I was the clear crack knight. A mere white dude, Jack O'B, was on the street Trying to consume some tent for the eve So the Cokes could go get fucked Just talking on the mic, potting all alone Then I hit up my friend, Her Majesty On a mission trying to find Mr. Miles of G With hoes A every day all week All you hoes know what's up with TDZ That is courtesy of Walter Chestnut and I am thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray!
1: Yes, I want tuna subs. A sub made of fish is a foot long just for me. <laughs> Hanging out the subway all day. Tuna all day. Bring that tuna to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so thank you so much to uh, Walter Walter Chestnut. Water Chestnut, two at uh, at Water Chestnut on Twitter. You know oh, who you sure. are for that Scrubs inspired. Twofer. Oh, that, that was also
0: throw-
1: yeah. That was all, all cool. the way from Bri- Vancouver, British Columbia. Come those there twin AKs, yeah.
0: Uh, Miles, how you doing? How, how's Good, hydrated. kicking off for you,
1: yeah. Oh, you, Did you know go for California. California, shut back up, baby. Yeah, yeah. Shut. That's uh, shut her I down. Think, that's really the. I don't know. I mean, I don't think I was really living as if it were open anyway, but yeah. more just like at the absolute. I don't. Know, this is this is the waking nightmare of twenty twenty America. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the very talented Mister
2: Ozwalishen. <laughs> Rather, Mister Mister Oswalishen than the talented Mister Ripley. But uh, thank you for <laughs> thank <laughs> you, you for having me on. Thanks for How being you, here, awesome. man. I'm about as well as can be, as as you guys were were mentioning. It's obviously uh, a rather a rather difficult time in lots of ways for lots of Mm -hmm. people. So I'm feeling grateful but also tired. Yeah, yeah. Where are you? Where are you uh, broadcasting to us from at the moment? (laughs) I'm broadcasting to you from continental Europe. um, Mm -hmm. But I yeah I I left the states about two months ago. So um, oh why? What happened? (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> well uh, funny enough my, my girlfriend and family are here and uh, and you know what It it really it's it's strange being a kind of insider outsider and somebody who moved to the states 10 years ago and always right. somebody who's had so much admiration for the states and Jumped through quite a lot of hoops, frankly, to be able to stay there for ten years. Now, why'd, you, now use, uh, see,
0: why'd you use the past tense when you said had, had a lot of admiration for the states? What, well, on? it's
2: a it's a, it's a difficult. He figured moment, it isn't out, it? Jack. I mean, Damn it! Uh,
1: <laughs> they figured it out.
2: <laughs> I think I think a lot of the a lot of the hypocrisy and violence that has been required to keep the American dream alive is is being very radically exposed mm-hmm. for better. Mm-hmm. But these, these revolutions in, in consciousness and perhaps more than consciousness don't tend to go off too easily. And I think in the background as well is the fact that there's uh, anyway this America-China power shift going on which kind of exacerbates this authoritarian tendencies and, and neurosis about status. And I think it's just a very difficult cocktail of things right now in in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Yes,
1: hmm. and we we use the air quotes for yeah. free and brave and land. Yes. Yes. That was and that home. was really <laughs> that
0: was that was kind of beautiful. We should ask uh people who aren't panicking in the middle of the uh apocalypse to describe what they see from a distance more often because that was uh <laughs> that was well put. Um Yeah. I'm, it's always yeah. like
1: nice to hear because it's so eloquent and accurate and I'm like, yeah, man. And then I'm like Oh fuck. I'm there right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, okay. So yeah, we got to yeah. we got to we got to open our eyes a little bit.
2: That's the reason I'll come back though is because you get way too much credit even now in the states for being British. So, uh, that's <laughs> irresistible inducement to come back. Right, right. <laughs> um All right, well, we are
0: going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're gonna tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about today. Uh, One thing we're talking about is one location in these United States where everything is just a-okay, and that is Disney World. Mm. Uh, Just the happiest place on Earth. Everybody's smiling, wearing their masks, social distancing. They opened up this weekend. Uh, and yeah, it looks good from where I'm sitting. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about just a bunch of racist shit. There is a a white supremacist who was found with uh, guns and bombs in their car. Uh, one of those news stories that were at any other ideology would have been a big news story. We're going to talk about car rammings uh, which is a form of terrorism that is seeing a spike. We're going to talk about millionaires begging to be taxed. We're going to get our white supremacy fuckery roundup. And uh, if we have time, we're going to talk about lead poisoning. uh, The lead poisoning theory of crime uh, in these United States. And I'm going to ask the question, uh, is it just crime? Are Are there other things that were caused by the fact that the baby boomers uh, grew up in a lead poisoned environment. All of that, plenty more. But first, Oz, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are?
2: Well, I am working on a podcast at the moment called Forgotten the Women of Juarez about this string of unsolved murders in Juarez right across the border from El Paso, Texas. And I have a reporting partner called Monica, who um, is from El Paso and has spent 15 years reporting on the story? And one of the interesting things about El Paso is that Spanglish is the uh, is the language of the town. So people start one you know their sentences in English and end them in Spanish or vice versa. And I have a rather rudimentary command of Spanish, but I've been taking Spanish lessons on Skype once a week to try and uh, improve my my grasp and try and understand a bit more about what's going on. And so one word in particular I googled is metido. And metido means uh, involved or trapped. And it's an important word in Juarez because uh, it signifies how organized crime, the cartel, and other powerful interests keep people silent and keep people complicit in all kinds of crimes. And so I think the phrase I was more familiar with before was plata o plomo from uh, Pablo Escobar, meaning silver or lead, uh, the bullet or the bribe. But metido is what happens after that. And the consequences in a society are rather horrific.
0: So they get the, you mean, once they take the bribe, they're sort of involved and complicit, and therefore they just, it's sort of a sunk cost where they feel like they can't turn around.
2: Exactly. And I think, there's a there's a tendency, a psychological tendency of doubling down and down and down and down. So, you know, it might start with, hey, can you watch this corner? Or, you know, hey, can you smuggle this package? But once you have a connection with the, with the beast of organized crime in Juarez, uh, it, the logic of it tends to be, you know, deathly, literally. And so, you know, it's interesting to, you know, we think about people in the cartel or an organized crime who you know are of inherent evil. And certainly when we see some of the things they do, that's what it looks like. And and for some, they probably are psychopaths, but there's also this sort of social consequence of violence, the normalization of violence and the small steps towards violence, which um, have been going on horrifically in Juarez for, for many years, but which uh, also offer some kind of warning, I think. There was a journalist who called... Juarez, a postcard from the future, or, or a laboratory of our future in 1995. And uh, and so that's one of the subtexts of the podcast is, you know, what happens when things are allowed to go to hell, when the judiciary is no longer independent, when journalists are murdered, and uh, and you, you end up seeing the most vulnerable people in society being murdered.
0: Wow. That show is up. People can go listen to it right now, right?
2: That's right. Yes, we're on episode eight of 10. So, the mystery is unravelling.
0: Yeah, it's pretty mind-blowing, and you guys are great storytellers.
2: Uh, what is something you think is underrated? I think 1984 by George Orwell is underrated, uh, and I'm only saying that because I'm reading it for the first time right now, having used the word Orwellian and the phrase 1984 <laughs> for the last 20 years. I thought it was time yeah. to time to read that book, and it, it is phenomenally prescient. It's a book written in 1949, which talks about telescreens, these screens that are with us all the time, which basically monitor us and uh, send propaganda our way. I mean, this was before Orwell had probably even seen a television that he'd basically predicted cell phones, uh, and secondly, you know, unfortunately, sorry to be <laughs> a bit bleak again, but this this critique of what happens when a society becomes authoritarian, when you know we lose the freedom of uh, expression and even of thought, how difficult it is to resist, and also how you know, it's like the frog in the pot, you know, it's kind of you You, you don't realize how hot it is until, you know, you've, you, it's too late to jump out.
1: Yeah, I think like right now it's happening where people are looking at a TV screen where a president who's by most measurable standards not fucking here uh, is like laughing as hundreds of thousands of people die. And everyone's just kind of like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the reaction is just sort of this this nihilistic acceptance of it power. It's like it's a very unique thing, especially when you take a second to really kind of like read out loud or think out loud what like the sort of statistics we're looking at day by day and what the behavior is of the supposed leadership in the country
2: and the past it's hard. I mean, it's hard to know you know how to be a citizen. obviously, in the immediate term, protest is 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 very important and achieving great things. But what what is the you know, is there a revolution coming? I mean, let's say let's say the best case scenario in the twenty twenty election is is Joe Biden becoming president. Is is he and his and his cabinet going to address the fundamental structural issues that have that have got us here? I mean, he's described himself as a transition candidate, but you know, it it's uh we could do, I think, with some something more powerful than transition or, or stability yeah. to rally around right now. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, a lot of people uh, were pointing out to me on Twitter, just in response to kind of some of the conversations we were having about the United States and United States being very capitalistic and sort of drenched in this capitalistic ideal. Uh, but a lot of the things that we're talking about that currently exist in the US are more either authoritarian or uh, oligarchical like uh, institutions that aren't capital because a capitalistic, you know system of government or
2: society is mer-
0: meritocratic, and we just don't have that in even remotely. Right now. No, it's so. extraordinary
2: that I mean the the social mobility in the US is you know, is, is is historical lows, the accumulation of wealth amongst the richest people at historical highs. I mean, I was thinking about the end of the Soviet Union in, in nineteen ninety-one because there's this extraordinary story about the last cosmonaut who went up to space when it was still the Soviet Union and then couldn't come back because there was no more Soviet Union to bring him home. So he was circling around until finally Germany paid for him to come home. To a different world, and I was thinking about the, the space race because we've just had you know SpaceX send two NASA scientists in, into the, into orbit, and it's like you know that was a great moment for Trump and Pence when they talked about space, but they were standing there gloating over the outsourcing of NASA to private industry, and it's like how how can this be something to celebrate? Yeah,
1: well, I think that's sort of the what it's all been like. All of these great programs that were built up are slowly just get sort of privatized essentially so like this fire sale of uh infrastructure
2: right uh what is something you think is
0: overrated
2: well <laughs> funny you mentioned the uh, the rich people begging to pay more taxes at the beginning of the show um i've been thinking a lot about uh you know rich people doing good things as being overrated. I mean, there's been all these conspiracies about about Bill Gates, which obviously I don't buy. um, And I celebrate what the Gates Foundation does, and I'm impressed by by his work. But the real conspiracy is that you have someone who has tens of billions of dollars in the first place and can run some kind of shadow mixture of the world's Health Organization and the State Department. It's like I'm glad he's doing it because in the abdication of everybody else doing it, it's it's good that it's happening. But like, how can it not be? How can it be that you know the United States, this incredibly rich and powerful country, has basically let an oligarchy, as you mentioned, take control of the functions of the state? I mean, it's no it's no surprise that that people are so angry.
0: Yeah, I mean, he has lobbied. His company has lobbied all like people who are billionaires have chosen to be billionaires um and they are choosing that and the solutions of them you know being basically oligarchs who solve other people's problems over you know having a healthy social safety net uh in in its place um one way or another you know um obviously bill gates can't snap his fingers and suddenly we have a great social safety net but uh, along the way, he's made lots of decisions that, you know, are are counter to uh, a a strong social safety net. I, and I
2: also think it's it's unreasonable to expect people to act strongly against their own interests. I mean, that's why we have a state in the first place. It's supposed to be, you know, to balance the the wealth of society in a fair way, and so. The idea that it's a solution to have people who are grossly enriched themselves volunteer to de-enrich themselves. i mean, it seems to be a little bit, a little bit pie in the sky. Um, So
1: I wonder if those are like the wealthy people there. They seem to be all the wealthy people who didn't manage to get their hands into politics or like get them there. They're like, I mean, I could have done it like the other wealthy people, which is to just, you know, blow out the House and Senate with their money and and get their jollies off like that.
2: Fuck the cocks. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: and finally, what is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false or vice versa?
2: Well, I'm um, sorry again. I'm mixture of the times and the topic of my of my podcast It's another heavy one. But um, but border violence, uh, beginning with Donald Trump, is is something of a myth. I mean, Trump has been extraordinarily uh, horrific. I think with the encouragement of Stephen Miller, his policy advisor on mm-hmm. policies like family separation, which was actually piloted. Uh, it's extraordinary you would pilot a program like that, but piloted in El Paso to test how it worked. Did it put people off from coming? Um, but to focus on on Trump as the, as the source of all malfeasance at the US-Mexico border is probably wrong. And in fact, um, if you go back to 1992, um, uh, under President Clinton, there was something called Operation Hold the Line, which was the first um, one of the first efforts to militarise the border after a former cartel lookout who became the US congressman in El Paso before Beto O'Rourke uh, encouraged his border patrol agents to form a human wall along the border to try and demonstrate uh, you know, how under strain border patrol was and how much they needed more resources, which uh, indeed came from the federal government and uh, reports suggest were spent uh, on a on the construction of some physical barriers by a company belonging to a family member of the congressman now i'm not sure if that's true but that's 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 the report and going back to the 60s actually after the second world war there was a shortage of laborers in in america agricultural laborers industrial laborers and so the states basically said to mexico send us your single men you know we'll let them work and we'll send them back at the end of the season with money in their pockets. And this went on till the 60s, at which point there was political pressure saying, you know, Mexicans taking our jobs, send them back. So millions of these men basically were, were sort of, not, not exactly deported, but sent back to the border and across the border. So the history of the US-Mexico border has been of desire for, you know, Mexican labor, but disclaiming of responsibility. And, you know, it has a lot of parallels with uh, the United States' relationship With the African American community as well.
1: Hmm. Yeah, this the whole yeah finger pointing of like, yes, the business owners would like the laborers, the laborers to come there, and then when you know, as things become more uh, spread out around the country, and they're like, oh well, maybe we move our operations there, reverting to this thing of like, well, that's who's taking the jobs. (laughs) You know, it wasn't me deciding that I would make way more money not paying y'all like regular mo- in money I can go over here where the wages are far more depressed and my margins blow up now. And yeah, I think it is this it's, it, it's interesting to watch how it evolves because I think initially like the first border patrol was about like finding like illegal Chinese immigrants. Right. Uh, so it's always like you see these sort of uh, these organizations or these bureaucracies within the government that are also there to like help sustain certain narratives too of like the, Like, who's the reason for a disenfranchisement Mm -hmm. that we can point
0: Mm -hmm. to? Exactly. Uh, All right, guys, let's take a quick break and then we will get into the stories of the day. And we're back. And so is Disney World back open without a hitch. Uh, So that's that story. Um, moving (laughs) Moving on on to nothing to see (laughs) nothing to see here. Uh, I know. So uh, over the weekend on Sunday, Florida broke the national record for the most new COVID cases in a single state on a single day, Uh, over 15,000 that beats even New York uh, at the height of their pandemic. And this is the same weekend that Disney world decided to open back up. A lot of people, Saw the video last week where they were like, "Hey, everything's cool." Uh, a bunch of their workers or cast members, quote, mm-hmm. loving uh, it, yeah, loving it." Uh, d- just wearing masks and smile smizing through the masks with the empty park behind them, um, and just like really giving this like empty-eyed reassurance, gestures of reassurance. That were incredibly easy for people to uh, re-edit into horror movie trailers uh, just just by changing the soundtrack. Uh,
1: The power of music, though.
0: Yeah, but very very creepy. So, anyways, they went through with it. Uh, They opened over the weekend. uh, Had most, you know, uh, most cast members were back. About 750 park employees. Uh, Weren't there for the opening. Uh, These were the stage performers who aren't allowed to wear masks because they're, I don't know, like uh, Snow White or, you know, playing some character who uh, doesn't have a COVID mask canonically. Or it'd be
1: like the uh, the stunt shows and like people who like do real like performance performance because they're under actors equity union. That's why they're not there.
0: Got it. And... They wanted just better testing for yeah. you but know because their union if,
1: was like, hey, if you want these people to go as a union, we're we're negotiating for these people for our members to step foot on your property to work, that there should be you know regular testing at the very yeah. least, so people know, like you know, get some rapid answers, so you can get treatment as quickly as possible, quarantine. And I was like, yeah, sorry, <laughs> I guess you guys just don't have to come back then.
2: Yeah. So why? So Disney, Disney didn't want to give the test because they're too expensive or because it was too much of a hassle or because they're worried about the knowledge amongst the workforce and what was the uh, what was, All the, what was the reason All well as
0: uh, one thing that you might have missed uh, not being in the united states but tests are actually bad because they tell you who has it and then your numbers go up and oh, therefore I see that. and yes, people yes, start yes, to panic and uh, you just don't want that sort of thing that's so. sad yeah <laughs> that's... and then be, the,
1: the but the people I, I also read that the people who are in the suits are actually under uh, in the teamsters union So, like, the big Mickey Soup people, those are Teamsters. Like, some of the performers, that's Actors' Equity. And, yeah, they all had, you know, their own needs. Some were met, and some clearly were not by the park uh, in their rush to begin generating revenue. There was a... Every video I saw come out of there over the weekend was nightmarish. (laughs) The first video I saw was, (laughs) what could go wrong if I let a balloon... Like, just let go of my balloon on Main Street. And it was like... Uh, I don't know, forgive me, Disney Hive, I don't know the, the main ter- character with the really long red hair with the green dress, but she was on a horse and this person's loose balloon, like the little plastic Mickey weight that sort of keeps the balloon from like destroying a child's day fully, like mm-hmm. got wrapped around the horse's ankle and it starts like bucking <laughs> and it's like, you're just like, oh no, no, no. Like this is the first thing I'm seeing. And then, <laughs> then there was that, obviously those two women who became the bells of the ball this weekend.
0: What were they doing? They were refusing to. They were streamers wear the mask. who this woman said she
1: was having like sh- straight up COVID. So she was like, "Oh, first she said I'm violently vomiting. I have like my blood pressure was 170 over some. It was something so bad, right. but th- one woman was dismissing it as like a nut allergy." And many <laughs> people worry. were like, "Don't worry, you're uh... just going
2: into anaphylactic shock." <laughs> yeah, but then
1: that was the thing. So they went to go see like the uh, like the first aid uh, like sort of hut or whatever, and mm-hmm. the woman didn't use her like EpiPen, so it wasn't like that bad. So they also figured. Apparently, some people were arguing. Now this is all anecdotal. That like if you had any kind of incident that would have required an EpiPen, like Disney will just call an ambulance because they don't want any fucking thing to do with someone having some kind of allergic reaction that goes completely left which yeah. i believe like because a lot of people in the comments saying like that's bullshit like the second you say you have a nut allergy people get really really interested especially at restaurants at disney whatever either way it was clear that e- if even if this woman had a nut allergy with the thing she was saying like she was in really bad shape and probably should have just left because a that could suppress your immune system this that and the other whatever but it became this whole thing where then these women came back and were like, there's just haters on the internet. They edited it so it like didn't actually tell the full story. It was a nut allergy. But when you watch the whole thing, it either way, I, I don't have like a, a judgment on whether they did or did not. But if you were like in any situation where your health seemed iffy at all given the pandemic, you don't want to be at Disney World.
0: Right. And they kind of went back and kind of caped for Disney and was like, no, 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 nothing to see here, basically, with their follow-up video.
1: Yeah, and just saying that the other thing is bullshit just because I said she's so sick, like, really sick, y'all, like, vomiting everywhere sick. That doesn't mean COVID, okay, and yes, we have sore throats, but it's (sighs) not that. Right.
2: It's just I think there's something particularly perverse about this uh, incident unfolding at Disney. One of the other things that we sort of Look at from uh, from across the pond when we think about the states is this idea of utopian communities and 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 the idea of America itself partly as a as a utopian community at the great cost obviously of the original uh, inhabitants but Disney is this kind of you know symbol of of a constructed paradise and and sort of it's descent into uh, into a hellscape uh, this this weekend with what you guys are describing is is quite allegorical, I think for 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 many reasons.
0: Nothing like so much of the writing of reality for the past month has just been so on the nose that it's just like, yeah. all right, come on, man. like this is this is ridiculous. But yeah, Disney being the capital of you know just all the things that are uh, ailing our covid nineteen responses unbelievable um and yet other, so believable
2: the other place that had to stay open was the factories in juarez which uh, which manufacture things like medical gloves and blood pressure blood pressure cuffs and pivoted to trying to make ventilators and uh the workers who many of whom these murders that are covered in my podcast were a, for a while called the maculadora murders because so many of the victims worked in these factories or maculadoras which actually American-owned, uh, more than 50%. Anyway, so during during COVID, these, these factories, you know, the workers obviously didn't want to show up for work because the caseload was getting going through the roof. But the American ambassador to Mexico called the president and said, um, please don't shut down the maquilas slash don't shut down the maquilas because we need the essential goods for our uh, patients and healthcare system. So These uh, workers had to continue going to their jobs uh, to produce goods for the US to use in its own fight against uh, COVID. And I think it's that same sort of extremely unpleasant uh, sort of irony that you get with with the Disney World workers who are risking their lives to get sick to create this uh, sort of to create this paradise, but really to create shareholder value.
1: But the workers in Juarez, it's even like more insidious because in a way it's like, hey, we need more gear because we've only been exacerbating our own problem with our, you know, straight up ignorance and willful ignorance around this because we didn't want to lose too much money. And even at some point if like if there if if the objective is clear enough to not lose as much money at that point, don't you sit down and go through all the different permutations of how this goes economically and say okay this start stop version actually is the worst is going to cost the most money right. so we shouldn't do that but even then there's like this path like pathological urge to see revenue being generated that even to stop it is like it's too shocking i think for for like these business owners and i yeah. think
2: britain and the u.s have had amongst the very worst responses, exactly that right. start-stop thing that you mentioned, where you don't commit to one way or the other. And I was thinking about it earlier. I mean, it's also interesting, those are the two countries where Cambridge Analytica had a very demonstrable role in, in the election of Trump in America and in Brexit in Britain. And uh, and going back to the Gates conspiracy theories as well, you have to wonder if, if there's something in the Anglosphere Liberal culture, which makes it particularly susceptible to this utter disturbance of truth, and people. I and mean, when you see people fighting in the supermarket, you know, one wearing a mask and the other saying that their, you know, constitutional rights are being perverted <laughs> by being asked to wear a mask. You think, I and mean, it's like this is almost like a parody of uh, a, a, of of the kind of informed debate that the framers would have wanted, and yet it's hard to know how do we. I want to know how do we come back from this? How do these divisions and extraordinary bifurcated view of the world in the same country in the same supermarket how do we possibly get past this i think it's just levels of denial
1: you know i I think for americans especially for people in their 50s they have only known prosperity right only even when it was like bad it wasn't like the depression where Mm. their parents maybe knew that uh and you, it's because you almost see, like, the thing that Americans don't want to accept is that things are so bad that th- they actually have to cease their normal way of living. Yep. And that, I think, that's just been the hardest pill for some people to swallow. I think that's why there's this insistence on, like, being served again. I mean, whether you want to take out the racial dynamics of that or not, but if you just go com- completely to this, like, moneyed consumer mindset, it's just like, I normal is me going out normal is me going here to give someone money normal is me going there to pay someone money and then i get yeah. this thing and then i just spend my money at all these places and that's what is that makes me feel normal and i think when you you're confronted with a thing of like wait hold on my government is actually the most backwards thing on the planet right now wait uh, a lot of the history i've been taught is a lie wait yeah. uh, th- some people depending on how much they're engaging they could have their realities broken on like 50 different dimensions simultaneously and i think that may for some person be like ah no this is a hoax i'm not even gonna get close to thinking something is wrong in my like very very comfortable existence
2: yeah yep i don't know if it's like that that
1: with england because i know like because i think world war ii the u.s comes back and everyone's like yeah man fucking the u.s fucking did that man you're welcome earth (laughs) and i think that (laughs) that attitude just is like we're st- we're st- a lot of people are still riding that wave, mm. Uh like in terms of nationalism, and I think like well in England like it was different, like England was in the war, you know the U S aside from Pearl Harbor there this it didn't come to the mainland's doorstep where people go whoa the place I thought was like like the sanctity of my land had been violated by it has not happened so there's. I think that's another big thing to get over is that that's even a situation that's possible in your existence as an American.
2: Right. Well, it's funny. We, I mean, the, the cliche when I was growing up in England was always that Americans don't have a sense of humor, which I think your show definitively proves is not the case. But, oh, but I mean, man. in a sense, uh, in a sense, it's it's it, what you're saying is, is 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 really interesting because, you know, we we I mean, I hardly count myself as we after after living for a decade abroad, but, but British people have been accustomed to the idea of the British empire in terminal decline for more than a 100 years and so our national mentality is one of black humor and irony gallows humor making fun of ourselves i mean it was so hard for me moving to the states to to learn like the skills of self presentation and not telling everyone when i as soon as i met them that i was completely <laughs> imbecilic and incompetent um but, but um but you know i think i think it's interesting i mean it's a moment of 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 humility on on many fronts for the u s um and it's really really hard to know how to how to how to how to stomach that and how to how to respond i think i think anger and denial is obviously you know it's obviously kind of a human response but it's not a sustainable one
1: yeah yeah and to that point like you said you the the tone of the u k is sort of yeah it, hey that empire baby it's coming down huh it was a good run. Whereas, like in the US, man, there's still this fucking like, they think it's 1945 or some shit. It's really this, we've dominated the whole earth. Because, like, you even hear how other people will even, not like a, separate from this pandemic and everything, how just Americans very flippantly, and this happens in every country, but you see Americans immediately talk of, like, if it's a country they've never heard of, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's got to be horrible and awful and blah, blah, blah,
0: blah, blah <laughs> right. The best Right.
1: And it's almost like when without even thinking, it just like goes on this solo of about like, because everything's better here. And so that I think that frantic like proving of like why USA number one, anytime that comes into question, that's that's a real that that's too disruptive for certain Americans entire sort of, you know, self-created like value that of, of like what it means to be American.
0: Mm. Well, we'll see what it means to be American because Disney World has now been open for a while. We've seen the videos come out showing the social distancing rules all being followed 100% uh, <laughs> fully. Everybody's no, everybody's crowding and uh, not always wearing masks. And sometimes yeah, it's it like rains raining. and everybody has to get underneath a... Uh, The same tarp or whatever. But just the day after uh, Disney World's reopening weekend, uh, we learned that Hong Kong Disneyland would be closing again because there are 52 new cases of COVID there. Um, because so, they're in
1: the country or in, in Hong Kong Disney?
0: I think Hong Kong Disney. Wow. Oh, maybe, maybe it's... Let let me check actually.
1: No, it's probably, it was probably just Hong Kong because they're doing the right thing by saying, oh, wait, new cases cut to Florida 15,300. Yeah. It was just in the whole country. It was in Hong Kong. It
0: was in the whole country. Yeah. So (laughs) this is, oh man. We learned that Hong Kong. Yeah. Like,
1: what do we do? Right. You know, like, it's just such a. It only ends with the car fully crashing into the wall. Like, right. and right now it's going so slow that, like, the bumper is starting to crumple <laughs> against the wall. Right. But I'm, the car crash is, we are fully engaged in the car crash. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of people are in the back seat, and because the shockwave has not reached them back there, too, it's also like obscure. You're kind of like, whoa, that wall is pretty close. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> it's, it's really dark and when you see this kind of decision making like it's hard to ever think that there's any way to be optimistic about this unless like people really are just like you know have the discipline to say i'm not leaving until scientists are telling me they're like effective fully effective treatments or a vaccine or something because yeah. this other stuff is just so grim and it's just like people apparently too many people don't trust the leadership enough to say like or used apply the thinking of like well why would it be open if it wasn't safe right
2: yeah i mean it's interesting the comparison with hong kong which obviously has just gone through its own you know terrible political crisis where its um its political system was basically canceled by china and and is now you know a crime punishable by years and years of imprisonment on the mainland to traduce the party and so, you know, but when you look at China and you look at how, you know, apparently who knows about the beginning of the virus, but the the response more recently, like it's it's a it's a strong central authoritarian country and as a result, like its ability to impose order on its citizens is is greater than, you know, federal republican uh United States. Um and it's hard to know. I mean, it's, it's it, what scares me is that people will start to look with envy at these more authoritarian systems and say, "Well, you know, they got it right on on COVID, or they have social order," and that's a really slippery slope. So, I mean, I, I'm really hopeful, but also not knowing what the path is to maintain what's good about, you know, liberal democracy at the same time as 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 getting past this mentality of like totally disputing objective facts dismissing all experts, crushing some groups at the expense of others. I mean, it's, it's really, it is a, it's a scarily unstable moment. And also America is losing its moral authority. There was Mike Pompeo from the State Department was criticizing China's policy towards Hong Kong. And one of the, <laughs> the deputy Chinese foreign ministers tweeted, I can't breathe. Uh, right. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, yeah well Then now what? What do you and do? What? Yeah.
2: Yeah meanwhile
0: the president's strategy for dealing with this spike in uh coronavirus cases and deaths seems to be to uh talk shit about Dr Fauci. Uh, that <laughs> seems to be what he's kind of going going hard saw... towards. He sent out a, an oppo research packet to various journalists about that over the over the weekend. So well I did see on
2: Twitter apparently he's he's golfed more than he's met with Fauci since March, which doesn't seem like most uh well, the guy's a the shitty part. golfer,
0: Oz. The guy the guy sucks at golfing. So wh- what it. do you expect him to do? He you should have seen it. him.
1: He he grabbed a, a sandwich when we were teeing off. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> what the fuck is that? He's a fucking um, clown.
2: One of the but only yeah, things to uh, like about Mike Bloomberg's presidential candidacy was that I don't sure if you guys, I'm sure you guys saw that video of his, of Donald Trump <laughs> crawling around on all fours trying to get the golf ball and uh Anyway, it was uh, it was it was a very very amusing takedown.
0: I actually didn't see that. No. I will <laughs> I, I will go look that up. Well, that, the, the, that the might premise, have been banned from us here the in the The premise
2: United. is that, that Trump says, one of Trump's attack lines on Bloomberg is um that Bloomberg asked Trump to build some golf course in New York or something and then Bloomberg said And that was the only thing we'd ever ask him to build. And there's a picture of him crawling around trying to (laughs) retrieve this golf ball, which I thought was pretty good.
1: Uh, Meanwhile, we're crashing. We're in a car crash while we're laughing.
0: Let's take another break and we'll come back with our white supremacist roundup. And we're back. Yeah, let's talk about this white supremacist who uh, was threatening violence online and was caught by police with guns and bombs in his car.
1: Yeah, I mean to be fair, like I don't know if he put white supremacist at the very top of his Tinder profile. He might put flat earther or okay. QAnon person, but it all it's all racist in the end, uh, and all roads tend to lead to white supremacy with most of these political ideologies, if you want to call them ideologies. Uh, So, yeah, this guy, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of these far right people, particularly who get caught up in some of the conspiratorial stuff, really making good on threats they make online. Um, You know, there's like a woman who like and they live stream this stuff, too, because they want to show everybody else. There's like a woman who was live streaming her driving to like take out Joe Biden and she got like arrested. I think she had a bunch of knives or something. And then there was like a dad. I believe in Massachusetts or somewhere he had his kids in the car and was in a high speed chase with the police because he had believed the president was trying to communicate to him through the radio and was saying that like he really needed a miracle. President Trump like while, you know, beyond driving record, like like over 100 miles an hour type shit at certain points. So this guy, you know, so I I think there's in certain circles, people seem to be very serious uh, when they're when they're talking about whatever their worldview is or who they believe the villains are in this. Uh, There is a a man, 32 year old guy from Pennsylvania who has now been, you know, arrested. He was making threats about talking about uh, like attacking a a treasury building in Harrisburg and then going to DC to shoot up the CIA headquarters and like take as many of them out before I'm gunned down. Essentially Uh, the police spotted his car uh, and pulled him over, and he said he had guns and supplies to make M80 type fireworks, but they found, you know, ammonium nitrate, urea nitrate, like shit to make bombs. Right. Uh, and he was headed to it. Seem seems like to make good on this promise. Um, and this is just sort of part of this. Uh, this sort of these actions that are really happening in in physical space now. And I mean, like this guy was already online saying things, taking shots at like black lives matter, black people, you know, scientists, anyone against Trump. So it was one of these things where, you you know, I think we also have a pattern. I think to the point you're making on about Cambridge Analytica, where that there, I'm sure there's tremendous overlap with the, the Facebook being the like really great breeding ground for a lot of these ways of seeing the world that, are compelling people to, to try and commit violent acts or actually commit violent acts.
2: Yeah, and also coming back to the idea of the oligarchy, I mean, Facebook and YouTube have all but replaced the media. I mean, we in the podcasting world are some of the last holdouts, I think. Um, and, you know, these are billion, billion multi, multi-billion dollar companies who control the flow of information like no other company in the history of, of the world, let alone media, make billions and billions of dollars from advertisements against the content they host and and continue to be able to claim that they don't have any responsibility for what happens on their platforms. And I mean, I, I find it pretty close to sickening, actually, which is like, you know, if, if, I mean, the, the argument would be, oh, if you regulate what's on these platforms. You know, you confess that they're publishers and then you take responsibility for their content. And if you take responsibility for the content, you're no longer a platform. And that makes free speech much harder. And in fact, maybe you never would have had a, an Arab Spring or the beginning of you know, the Black Lives Matter protests on social media if these platforms had to take responsibility for all of the content that they host. So it's not like a straightforward, easy answer but i do think that there's something extremely venal and greedy about the people the richest people in society who own these companies not making some kind of sacrifices to ensure that you know this this mass brainwashing and violence i mean as you say like there i'm sure in fact we know there's a hardcore of violent white supremacists neo-nazi extremists but i think there's also a bunch of these mildly unhinged tragic characters who 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 find something to believe in and get seduced and, and behave in ways which are completely alien even to them. And I think it's really, really perverse and toxic. And yet another thing I don't really see any any particular way out of for the time being.
0: Yeah. I mean, we talked about a, an article last week that was really, like, in a very serious way threatening, claiming civil war it was inevitable and just, like, all these different scenarios where after the 2020 election, they just see one side or the other. It was pretty terrifying. It was a right-wing news outlet. Um, and well, in El,
2: in El Paso, the Walmart shooter, I mean, it's no coincidence that Trump chose El Paso to basically kick off his re-election, re-election campaign a couple of years ago. And then shortly after that, this uh, this shooter drove eight hours from, uh, from somewhere near Dallas to go and kill people at the... At the Walmart in El Paso, which is you know largely frequented by Hispanic people and and, and day trippers from Juarez, and it's this language of the Great Replacement and all of this sort of online hate, which you know manifests itself. And people in Juarez, you know, had always seen El Paso on the other side of this fence as a place of you know safety and respite. Fifty people have been murdered this month in July in Juarez. By the way, they were so horrified, apparently. By what happened in El Paso, because it was like even there, even this U.S., this like shining city across the fence, where with, with all its problems, like basically you're you're safe from arbitrary violence and death as you go about your business. You know, is, is under attack from from crazed shooters, and uh, so yeah, it's distressing. But I think the internet plays a plays a big role in it. Unregulated internet. Yeah,
1: well, I think it's like yeah, the 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 propaganda highs just. PR propaganda high is waving like wearing off uh, yeah. where like to anyone's point, you Oz or someone in Mexico, the perception of this country has been so carefully manufactured and built on the backs of like great media offerings that creates this whole perception. But we're getting to that point where the real problems have gone unaddressed for so long that that veneer is just worn completely down and I think that's also one of the reasons why some people even on the right are also just as incensed by everything because they probably also are slowly being like but I thought everything was okay here and everything was gonna be okay here and hardship is something I would never know for a very specific group of Americans because that's most people don't think like exactly that but there is that thing too where you're looking at it and you're like hold on a second if I'm on paper if i'm willing to not think that the cdc is lying about disinformation and deaths i would find myself supporting a party that is completely lost it and i'm only now coming around to it. it's yeah i think there's again many many truths are becoming clear too but there's also that piece that i think many you know many of us buy into the idea of the exceptional american yeah, existence
0: american exceptionalism is yeah, just with regards to kind of the tactics of the right and there being this massive double standard, does seem like, like I noticed on during uh, the Black Lives Matter protests and particularly like a couple of the days when local Los Angeles media was actually paying attention to them, there was a guy who drove through a crowd in a Mini Cooper, but like there there's video of it happening live and he misses a four-year-old girl by like an an inch legitimately and you know the they chased him down they put him in handcuffs but like you never really heard anything else about that and there's just all sorts of car ramming uh instances and videos and um this is one of those things that seems like it's an open like on the right so uh in January 2017, the Daily Caller shared a video of several vehicle rammings, writing, Study the technique. It may prove useful in the next four years. And that was shared by Fox Nation. The GOP proposed bills to make it possible to shield drivers who hit protesters from charges. Um, so it just seems like that it's recent. Uh, that was in 2017. Wow. So after Charlottesville, when was Charlottesville? yeah after Charlottesville? Yeah. Um. So it's just it, it's one of those none are where, law though. None of those are law. They no, just no, they were proposed, and God,
1: but it but the intent is clearly there because it's another way of deracializing, you know, racial violence. Yeah, and like making yeah. that law.
0: Yeah. Um. So I don't know. It it just kind of goes with this. Uh. The right is either planning like this is something that is imminent that they're going to you know stage some large scale attack or you know already in their early stages of that and we're just kind of holding them to a different standard because i don't know because we always have held uh white supremacists to a lower standard than other forms of terrorists like you know the oklahoma city bombing which killed a bunch of children in a in a daycare center and people you know there was there wasn't some like massive war on white supremacy uh after after that or on right-wing homegrown terror cells uh it was just kind of you know a thing that came and went and they caught timothy mcveigh and executed him and all good uh well it's yeah
1: it's the preservation of the like the concept of being exceptional you know like if too much attention is paid to that. Then everyone has to accept that America has a problem with white supremacist terror. Like, really accept that. And I think law enforcement knows that, legislators yeah. know that, activists know that. Most people who have engaged with all kinds of human beings on this in this country have been like, no, that that's probably real.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: But it's there. There is this, you know, by not confronting these things, we can pretend everything's okay. And now we're like playing. We're playing this same. Uh, pattern of behavior out to its worst possible degree now because it's like rather than accepting that the this government has completely failed its response and now it's time for serious serious action to correct that because the last attempt was a failure uh we just but we're not we're not approaching things like that it's like no nope, nothing's wrong even if everything is quite you know
2: literally dying uh, before your eyes i watched a Documentary a few days ago called the uh, the Newburgh Sting. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it was basically about a an FBI operation in two thousand and nine in New in Newburgh, New York, which is one of uh, you know one of one of the state's most impoverished um, cities and uh, and largely African American. And the FBI ran a sting operation there where they sent a uh, a confidential informant who was originally from Pakistan to go to the mosque and recruit men t- into an Islamic terror plot to bomb right. a synagogue in uh, in Riverdale, and you know the guy was offering these guys I think two hundred thousand dollars each. You know these are <laughs> these are men who you know don't know where their where their where their next rent check is coming from. One of them was in fact I think basically homeless. Only one of the four had ever even been to the mosque. But this guy, you know, t- told me he's going to get $200,000 and they showed up to do the plot. The FBI swooped in with 100 officers, arrested them and said they'd interrupted a serious Al-Qaeda cell in the US. And right. I mean, it was it was so obviously confected. So obviously it's almost like, talked about Orwell, but this like McCarthyism when it comes to like radical Islam in the US. And on the other right. hand, as you guys say, when it comes to white supremacy in the far right, which... I know it's something that you know Robert Evans and Behind the Bastards and Behind the Police looks at. You know it's this absolute denial of the of the interconnectedness of these networks. It's always a lone wolf. It's always somebody with mental health issues. It's Always a one-off. Well, it's not. <laughs> why don't yeah. we? Why don't we want to confess that? Because it it pulls at the edifice of this like fair, racially equal society that you know that is obviously fiction
0: yeah and i mean the ideology that underlies you know the the things we're talking about on the right is also you know as behind the police the robert evans miniseries with prop talked about is also the ideology that a lot of american police forces were was founded on um and you know is still far more prevalent than i think a lot of people realized prior to this year but it wasn't
1: all bad. I mean, the Founding Fathers, uh, I just saw that musical, Hamilton. <laughs> they sound, they seem like a really cool bunch. Well, very so, diverse. Uh, very something, diverse. Something went Something went wrong between right. then and
2: <laughs> now. Because yeah. I'm
1: pretty sure they were, we were on the right track. Yeah. Let's always remember the Founding uh, Slavers, Fathers. Uh, right, right. You
2: know. right. One of the um, other things I always think is interesting is 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 what are the unintended consequences of the absolutely vast military-industrial complex in the U.S. And one of the consequences, obviously, tactical gear, armored vehicles, all kinds of extremely over-the-top equipment, making it into the hands of local police forces because it needs to be sold on after the military no longer require it or or it's surplus. So there are all these like there's the structural racism, and then there's all these trends around it, around like militarization and other forces where you just have this sort of whirlpool of of, of hell coming together. And I mean, not like in Britain. I mean, there are, you know, there have been terrible cases of, of, of racism in the police and, 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 you know, police malfeasance. But, you know, in the States, you know, when you go to a protest or whatever it is, you, you have this constant sense of being, you know, even as a as a, as a white man in opposition to the police or like a potential suspect or a potential criminal, and I've never really encountered that anywhere else in the world, except I guess for China. But you know it's it's a weird it's a weird feeling that the police aren't part of the citizenry. It's like it's yeah. just strange. It's strange to see even after ten years, like this tightening of the chest you get from seeing like another citizen who happens to wear a uniform like this is this is not a good feeling.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not yeah, a good feeling. true. Tightening true. of the chest. All right. Well, let's talk about the millionaires who are going to save us all. Uh, <laughs> no, that's, I mean, this is kind of the oligarchy thing we were talking about, but uh, some millionaires are begging to be taxed more to help out the, the poors. Um, mm-hmm. It's called Millionaires for Humanity. Uh, it's millionaires for humanity. It's a new group of concerned wealthy <laughs> Shitty people. Shitty band. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, at least it acknowledges that these millionaires giving a portion of their wealth is not the answer, and that they like that there needs to be structural I mean, and permanent taxation. Sure.
1: The way this letter is written, though, it's a brilliant PR because it's also a very fancy, please don't look up PDF schematics on how to build guillotines with, you know, things you can buy at Home Depot. Uh, but this also sounds like a really fun way to say, like, we hear you guys. We hear you. We hear you. We hear you. We have way too much money. We have way too much money Want to give you some of that money because we realize we have a lot of money. So it's saying, as COVID-19 strikes the world, millionaires like us. <laughs>
2: i'm already laughing (laughs) (laughs) that's very good
1: i'm already fucking it's and this is real i'm this is verbatim what is it millionaires like us have a critical role to play in healing our world no we are not the ones caring for the sick in intensive care wards we are not driving the ambulances that will bring the ill to hospitals we are not restocking grocery store shelves or delivering food door to door but we do have money
2: Lots of
1: <laughs> money that is dead. Yes. I'm not joking. This is, this is we straight do up have
0: money. Lots, lots of it. Wow. it. Money that is
1: desperately needed now and will continue to be needed in the years ahead. As our world recovers from this crisis today, we understand uh, w- today, we, the undersigned millionaires ask our governments to raise taxes on people like us immediately, substantially permanently. Mm. And you know, the letter goes on to say that like, they get it, man. Like, look, we get it. We get hey, bro. it. Bro. Hey, there's there's no fucking net out there. These people that are actually the way I'm passively making my money off of their labor, like I realize, okay, maybe there's a way to give some of this back. Uh and I don't know who many of these people are. The fact that I didn't recognize many of the signed millionaires bums <laughs> me out because you're like, you're hoping it's the people with like the lot of money. Like yeah, the threat. where's the billionaires for humanity? Not to shade Ooh. the millionaires. You know, i love to millionaires and anybody with means wanting to help, but There's also, I'm like, "Mm, I'm not seeing some bigger names on here. What was very interesting was saying, we owe a huge debt to the people working on the front lines of this global battle. Most essential workers are grossly underpaid for the burden they carry. They get that part. And then what they say to sign off, our interconnectedness has never been more clear. We must rebalance our world before it is too late. There will not be another chance to get this right. I feel like that's true.
0: Yeah. I think they just saw the Lorax because that is uh, right there, you know? They they nailed it. Um, what's the Lorax? To Doctor Seuss book. I mean, so
1: I know, but what's the like?
0: What what's they, the message? There's there's literally like it ends with them being like, unless you make a change right now, <sighs> the the problem. Cue like, fat boy slim
1: right here, yeah, right yeah. now. You know, right here because right um, now, tax me right now. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: You guys are going to be noticing a lot of children's movies bleeding into my <laughs> into my references over the next uh, month. I love it. Yeah. I mean,
1: look now, I now I'm not going to look foolish at uh, my Dr. Seuss dinner parties I go to. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I do you think this? I don't know what to. Th- I mean, I like the momentum that of they're trying to add to this movement because, yes, this, this is actually one of the biggest things that needs to be addressed right now. There are many things that are just so easy to be like, yeah, we got to change that right away. Like, right. you know, I talked about this the last is- show, like if you make more money on unemployment than you do employment, then there's no reason to have a job unless it is going to make you something that feels like a living wage. So like what? But that should that should be the easiest thing but again it requires a lot of people to go into their pockets i guess the billionaires for humanity who aren't signed to
2: mm. this definitely better than the uh celebrities that led by Gal Gadot imagine uh, yeah or that monologue i'm responsible oh god that was something else it? <laughs> give it to me one wow. more
0: time uh you it's clear that you're reading could you okay. not move your eyes okay Sorry. how about this <laughs> first take I'm best take ri- <laughs> i'm I'm responsible. <laughs> I'm responsible that was very good those yeah.
2: performances were so good uh oh my god but how do you as like a famous or rich person who like genuinely doesn't suffer these like terrible social ills that most people are encountering right now. Like how do you say something without coming off like a terrible hypocrite? Like what, who, who's have you guys seen any examples of, of people who've like done a good job of it?
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: I mean, I don't know. It's, I think it's merely, it's all about how loud you are about it. Mm. You know, like, cause I think there are many ways for you to be philanthropic and right. be anonymous. And yep. be effective, and if you actually had the means, you could probably put together some pretty brilliant people to figure out how to do something like that, and say like, "I'm a, I'm about to put eight billion dollars into this." Yeah. Well, like, how do we do this? And I don't want anyone to know or whatever. Not that it's impossible, but I think, I I think when it. it when you sign on it and it's like, we have so much money? Like we got to help. I mean, that feel, that feels like a cool scene in a Disney movie. Like when you're yeah. like, like you're turning the second act, but like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I'm not sure what to even do because really it's going to take the legislators to even create those laws. And there can be a ton of people who are like, <laughs> it's almost like, well, I want to give them money away, but they won't take it. And I'm right. not going to figure out what to do with it beyond that. Like I could give, I could pay people who work for me more. As a way to do that, immediate, but I don't. I'd rather just get taxed, you know, and that's why I signed this letter. Yeah. Mm. So it's hard to know what, you know, because like you could do better if you just said it was a, you know, a policy of the all the companies that fall under your multinational conglomerate to pay living wages, and be like, hey, sorry, sorry to the stockholders, but this right, we're yeah. not running it like this anymore.
0: As it has been. A pleasure having you on the Daily Zeitgeist. Uh, Where can people find you, follow you, hear you? All that good stuff.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Um, I have a newly minted Twitter handle. (laughs) And uh, and me and Monica are doing a Reddit AMA on r slash podcasts on Wednesday at noon EST to talk about what we learned in Forgotten. Uh, about Mm. what's happening to the women in Juarez. And honestly, um, you know, their fate connects in so many ways to all the things we've been talking about, Uh, Mm. impunity, structural violence, and, you know, in particular, what happens when you keep a group of people poor because it suits you to have their cheap labor and uh, and then don't do anything to protect them. And it's not necessarily... You know, it's also a true crime podcast, so we, we take you through a mystery and we have FBI agents and DEA agents and activists and we talk to some of the victims' families, which are very profound. But but the take-home of the conversation is really a, a mirror to the US from from a city which is less than a mile away, but which kind of is the logical conclusion of all the, all the bad behavior I think that we've been discussing today.
0: Mm. Uh, and is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying?
2: Yes, actually, my uh, my my dear friend and co-host of Sleepwalkers, uh, my other uh, podcast that I do on the iHeart Podcast Network, which is about technology, added a very amusing, I thought, tweet, which is also quite apropos what we've been discussing, where she said, "Drumroll, <laughs> nobody dot every brand colon." In times like these, <laughs> no, which I thought was very uh, apt uh. in terms of the hypocrisy of uh, corporativism,
0: mm. times working like people. these, in times of
2: record corporate profits, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh. No hero bonuses,
0: though.
1: Yeah. No hero bonuses.
0: <laughs> Miles, working people, fuck a
1: hero straight in their dumb hero <laughs> face. Uh, I'm sorry. Time yes, to me. <laughs> So, before uh, I give all that information where you can find me, I I do want to uh, raise something. Super Producer Ana Hosne was putting me onto it, and everybody who listens to the show should as well. Um, You know, the Trump administration, I don't know if you've heard this, but they had, they proposed some pretty awful regulations uh, to the asylum system in this country where, you know, vulnerable people, people in the LGBTQIA community, uh, people with HIV/AIDS, All kinds of vulnerable people try and enter this country because the living situation where they are is too violent. And unfortunately, it's it's an untenable living situation for them. These regulations that the uh, Trump administration have proposed are essentially rip out the entire concept of people being able to seek asylum in this country. And because- There's been a lot of lawsuits around this to try and keep this from happening. uh, But there is one way that people can help in a very easy way that you can submit a comment to the administration uh, that when there are these regulations that are happening, that the government like sort of the policy that they read and respond to comments that are made if they are unique. And that's where the difference here. What we need is people to go to this website, to leave a comment. It's very easy. We'll leave all this information in the footnotes. The longer the comment, the better. But it's like anything. Just like with members of Congress, when they start seeing form comments that are copy and pasted from other things, they don't think it's real. They just think it's an email spam campaign. So please type anything. As long as it's truthful about what your feelings are and giving comment on your you know, opposition to these regulations would be great because that could actually help. Buy people some serious, serious time. So please do that and check the footnotes for how you can get involved with that. Me, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, even, hey, even PlayStation Network. Maybe you'll catch me on FIFA or, or, or Pez. Who knows? Uh, Miles of Gray. Uh, and let's see, some tweets. Oh, also my other podcast, 420 Day Fiance. Uh, where I take a break from the ills of our reality and I dive into trash reality television, <laughs> uh, 90 Day Fiance specifically. Uh, f- some tweets I like. First one is from uh, at the Deserina from Deserina Boskovic says, uh, her tweet is match your wear a damn mask energy with pay people to stay home energy and cancel rent energy mm. uh, because that's really yes I think that's many people are just limiting it to are thinking of wear a mask. But we're always saying, like, we need a fucking safety net, though, too. That's how that works. With all the banks and people being like the rainy day landlord argument that we've seen time and time and again, not being asked of banks or these companies when they're asking for bailouts. I think that's another another, more energy we need to keep going. Uh, Another one is just this ridiculous video. It's from at Baker Bone. It says, just when you thought things couldn't get any worse. 2020 top bears how to use nunchucks and it's like a bear at a zoo, but it is just swinging these nunchucks around and it's it's getting it's doing a little bit of nunchuckery on it. I'm not gonna lie, so it gave me a laugh. So shout out wow. to Wow, yeah,
0: yeah. The the thing with um cancel rent and you know the unemployment is gonna stop i think in august or late july like yeah if they don't put another bill if they don't put another bill forward like that and i think the gop is like pushing to do that to just let it happen and like there's already like record long lines at uh food banks like that's going to keep happening uh it's gonna get really really bad if
1: well and then because the. US also has a really great habit of calling uh, people's lack of access and lack of safety net and I'm calling that crime uh, yeah, you know, rather than acknowledging people's desperation, then I'm sure that could that could fit into some kind of narrative going into the election too if you just have more destitute people doing things and trying to weave that into and I mean, I don't know what we can do I mean Trumps Trump's the guy, man, law and order, law and order because he's screaming that shit like it's going out of style.
0: Um, Some tweets I've been enjoying, Solomon Giorgio, former guest tweeted, I pretended to wash my hands until I was 10 years old and I was in the gifted program. We shouldn't reopen schools during a pandemic. It is, kids, I remember that, like, just running my hands underwater sometimes, just letting the water run near my hands for no reason other than laziness of I didn't want to dry them off.
1: The other thing was hand washing was incentivized, so it was never because it was good habits, it was because I would get some shit.
0: I have to drag my kids kicking and stre- screaming to like wash their hands after and before meals. Like and you know what changed it for they me? They have visible dirt on their hands. Yeah,
1: yeah. right. Just like war- like earthworms <laughs> crawling <laughs> over their palms. I'm like yo, this is a joke now. You got worms in your fingers. Like, this is you got dirt hands. What changed the, uh, it for you? The f- uh, foaming soap.
0: The foaming soap is great. And I they hated do bar like that soap. a little bit more.
1: Yeah. I hated touching a bar of soap as a kid. I just remember that. And then whenever I would travel to Japan and like back when the the first automated soap dispensers came out, like in the late eighties and shit, I remember foam came out. I was like, yo, I will wash my hands like this.
2: <laughs> Fuck a bar. I do remember being grossed up by the bar as well with the yeah. kind of like the cracked bar with like grime in it. I was like, that can't yeah. be, that can't be a better option. <laughs> Which yeah. is so
1: weird because then we're like here, like clearly we're like j- we we like things that are clean, but we're like I don't know though. Washing my hands <laughs> with that, mm, a bridge I mean, too far. When for me. there's
0: actual visible dirt on the soap, it does That's seem enough. like it's yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> what? How
1: is this helping I anybody? Remem- I got into arguing with my dad about that. Because yeah. I was like, but it's dirty. And he's like, it's soap. And <laughs> I'm like, then why is there dirt on it? And he's like, because it could. And I just could. I was too dumb to like engage him on a like a one level up intellectually. So I just kept going, well, if it's soap and it's clean, why is it dirty? <laughs> the defense <laughs> rests, Your it's Honor. It's
0: true. You were actually right, I think, because it's not like soap just kills germs. Soap just makes germs slip off Lift your hands, up. it gets them slippery. Uh, Shout out to all
1: emulsifiers the out there.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah uh also charlene de guzman tweeted at the end of every night there's the disappointing moment where i'm just like well i guess that was the day then <laughs> um, <laughs> damn that's real that so <laughs> real <laughs> well you uh, almost like
1: was that the day was that a day <laughs> damn <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: she's really funny char starlene uh, uh. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, Footnote. where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song We Ride Out on Miles. What is that going to be today?
1: Uh, this is going to be uh, from. Okay, so there's this album that came out with Terrace Martin, Robert Glasper, Ninth Wonder, Kamasi Washington, Felix. If you're like into Woo. new jazz and yeah. these guys are all. Monsters from the deep, like New Jazz Lagoon, and Ninth Wonders is a producer. is a fantastic producer. Uh, so they had an album come out called Dinner Party recently, and this is a track. Um, you know, because we were talking about uh, you know essential workers, first responders. This track is actually called First Responders uh, with Kamasi Washington. Love Kamasi
0: Washington. Uh, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast. Or wherever you listen to your favorite shows, that is going to do it for this morning. We'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.